Hey, 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 welcome to another episode of Geekly Reveals, that show that brings you geeky news on a weekly basis, that's geeky, that's weekly, that's geekly, and it's time for the Geekly Update, I'm sure we'll do something with those words, it's me, your host, Dom K.A., for the Dom all over the internet, and once again, I am joined by my blue co-host, would you like to tell the people who it is that you are? Hey, it's me, it's Stephanie, a.k.a. Captain Steph on Twitter, the Snowclair on Tumblr, and Hello Steph on Instagram. I am uncomfortably full of pizza, and uh, the pizza is taking the role of our uh, usual third host, Eric. Uh, there's yeah, so much pizza around that is uh, equivalent to him in mass. Yeah, but the funny thing is, just like Pizza Tower, he's currently running from his location to your location, just like in Pizza Tower. <laughs> um, I can hear the music. I think he just passed my house, so he'll be there soon. <laughs> he's really booking it. Jeez. Nah. Have you seen uh, the dude from Pizza Tower run? <laughs> He's so fast. <laughs> His name's Pepino or something. Uh, anyway, well, hey, how have, uh, how have you been, Steph? I've been all right. I, uh, you know, hung out with uh, some family this week. I see my mom, got to see a friend uh, from out of town. Uh, funnily enough, we did the same thing with both group or with both visitors, uh, which I will get into in a bit. Uh, but, you know, just a nice... Uh, good to see friends friends and pals so how about you good 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 speaking of pals did you see any digimon i didn't see any digimon no that's too bad okay is that Just a, is that a uh, reference to something that i'm not picking up on or no i thought one i, I was thinking a, a, the mutual friend of the oh, show yes. may have been a fan of digimon it is a person pals like pal world which is yes like knockoff pokemon you're correct that the friend so in question is a digimon yeah. fan yeah, see, this this joke is only this is a bad inside joke to begin with, and it didn't even <laughs> land. So hey, you know, I'm doing great actually. Life couldn't be better. Um, hey, it's a Monday. Sometimes you fill even your if we didn't, checks. <laughs> even if we didn't work today, it's still a Monday. I worked today. It was Good. dumb. Um, not because of my job. It just so. work is just dumb. That's true. <laughs> this is yeah. They're like, hey, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> you love what you do, you'll work twice it's... as hard for half as much. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I know animators and game artists and stuff like that. It's still work. It's the the work part's the part that sucks. It's not the action. Uh, but no, I'm 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 good actually. Um, got to see my family yesterday. Um, you know, we were celebrating my mom's birthday, so that I got to nice. see. Basically, my two brothers. One's not really my brother. He's just a family friend that I treat as a brother. Because he's basically my brother. That's a brother, And the other basically. one was my brother. Uh, <laughs> so it was nice sitting around the table, uh, seeing, you know, everybody. It was very nice. Uh, nice. And love- for the listeners that care, I may have mentioned it before. My mom was going through some stuff. But she's doing a lot better now. So uh, if you have a slight parasocial relationship with me, or just know me in real life, hey, things are getting better. So that's always a nice thing. We love to hear it. Yeah, but, you know, not really a lot else going on. Um, Just playing a lot of Overwatch with the new systems, trying to get acquainted. And I could probably talk about that a little bit later on if we're in the mood for it. Um, But more recently, I saw the uh, Dungeons & Dragons movie. Oh yeah. More like a year and a half late, right? Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's actually pretty uh, speedy for your typical turnaround period. Yeah, I'm, I'm really like right on time give or take a couple weeks or like really late when it comes to movies um and this was kind of in the middle because i had always intended to see it 
this was not one of those. I don't. It wasn't like when you tell your friend, "Oh yeah, I'll put it on the list," and you don't intend to. Uh huh. Um, the the metaphorical see, list. Like a, that, uh, yeah. The memory hole. Yeah, this was truly on the list. I wanted to see this movie, and it just <laughs> never came around. So when I saw it, we were sitting around for like our uh, weekend post Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's quite a lovely movie. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah, it felt like what a D&D movie would be. I wish the bard had cast more spells. Mm-hmm. But besides that, eh, I didn't, I didn't feel like I lost out. Everybody was cool. There were some pretty looking people. I'm going to say, the bard uh, is like a like a goofy himbo with a, with a mandolin and a prayer, so. Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't really think Chris Pine was that hot of a guy before, but uh, I, I will admit that this movie has changed my, uh, my viewpoint on. Him. I'm uh, I'm glad we could uh we could bring that to your uh to your experience here. The uh yeah. I'm glad you've joined the pine cone. I don't sure. Know. Sure. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> the pine hive. And also you know <laughs> and the uh the dru- the the druid was hot and so was yeah, uh, the dude was. from Bridgerton as always, but we already yeah. knew that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, we yeah he's there. I mean, what a cast, really. Actually, the whole cast was actually now that now that I mentioned it, like the whole party plus Paladin was all good looking people. So and that's also part of D anD D if we're being honest. Yeah, you got to make so, yourself a hot character if you're gonna make a character like. Yeah, uh, but I I who's his name? Just Justice, Justice Smith, Smith, the yeah. guy that played. Yeah, he played the sorcerer. That guy can actually act. Like he was really good in that video game, The Quarry. Um, mm-hmm. That was used like a lot of mocap, and he was good in Dungeons and Dragons. But I thought his acting was a little weird in Detective Pikachu. Uh-huh. But everyone's was, so now I'm like, maybe that movie <laughs> just wasn't directed very well. Because also, even Ryan Reynolds, when he was as a person, he was a little weird in that movie. Uh-huh. You're like, wait, okay, so you did fine as a voice actor, and I've seen you in tons of other stuff. Like, I know but why you is your are acting good at acting. Stilted. Yeah, I think maybe something was weird about Detective Pikachu, a movie that I very much enjoyed, but left saying, I don't know if that was acted that well. Oh <laughs> or maybe people didn't give a shit. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'd watch Dungeons and Dragons again. Seems like a good candidate for like our uh, drinking game. Oh, yeah, I think it would be a really thingies. fun, like, especially like because I feel like enough of us, enough of us have seen it at this point that you could like watch it not. A hunt like you're not watching it for the first time like trying to figure out what's going like like you you watching lord of the rings and drinking at the same time being like i'm just here to be around my friends oh yeah i had no intention of watching that movie i was just getting to know people that were there <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the kind of person i am wait you i have know a- what i i go ahead i i i think just i don't necessarily like fantasy the way that Lord of the Rings does it. Because mm-hmm. I like Baldur's Gate. I like the Dungeons and Dragons movie. I like D&D fantasy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I like Breath of the Wild. I mean, I haven't got to Tears of the Kingdom. But I'm like, I think I like fantasy stuff. Like, it's not my favorite thing, but I enjoy it. It's just Lord of the Rings just felt a little bit too much for me. I think, like, and, you, you, they're in fantasy, like, you have two kind of, like, there's, like, high fantasy and low fantasy, and I think low fantasy is more approachable and fun, and high fantasy is that, like, it's, like, the difference between, like, opera and Broadway, or, like, like a hymn and, like, cr- Christian pop or something like that, like. Okay, I can I buy think, that. Like, and, there's a and Lord more of the Rings of, would be what, high fantasy? Lord of the Rings would be, like, very, very high fantasy, like, invented high fantasy, kind of. Okay. thing like it's like 
the works of kings and great men and there's epics and like people stand and recite poetry at random moments and like that might be what it is because because lord of the rings to me in this is partially true that you need a level of understanding of the source material to enjoy parts of it mm-hmm. um and obviously that can't be true for the first story it has to stand on its own or else people wouldn't have gotten into it yeah but to me it always felt like it mm-hmm. versus Baldur's gate i'm jumping in and they're straight up people there from other games and works i'm like i don't need to know who that is to enjoy what's happening now like like volo's there and i've seen the book from volo but i didn't connect that that's the same dude uh-huh. and that didn't impact my enjoyment of who he was in that game i um, think maybe part of it is that like because Baldur- Baldur's gate is coming out right now as opposed to like coming out when you were growing up and it wasn't something that you experienced as because like i think for a lot of people who weren't fantasy people before, like, watching Lord of the Rings as it came out in theaters from, like, 2001 to, like, 2004, (laughs) like, gives you that background knowledge. Like, even, like, if you come back to it as an adult, even if you've only ever seen it the once in theaters, like, you still kind of remember what was going on and, like, internalize it in the way, like, a kid does. Sure. That's my, that's random. I'm just... (laughs) Hey, I don't know, cause, cause I wasn't like against Game of Thrones either. I just was, I didn't have HBO, so I didn't watch it. And mm-hmm. then by the time I would have had to get it and catch up, I was like, I'm not doing all of that. No, have yeah. fun. Same with Breaking Bad though, and that's not even fantasy. So, yeah, I'm just a hipster as well. So that's true. But you had a point several bars ago. What oh was yeah, it? I was just gonna make a uh, extremely rough pivot from uh, <laughs> one actor who got a second chance in a Marvel film uh, to another actor that got a second chance in a Marvel film uh, because I watched the the original Fantastic Four films last night. Who? What Marvel movie is Chris Pine in? Well, Chris Pine isn't is in Tacoma? any of the Marvel movies, but Chris Evans is in... He's Johnny Storm in the first... Yeah, you just said from one actor to another. But so Ryan Reynolds. Oh, so it was from before. Yes, 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 yes. Because yes, 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 we yes, were talking yes. about Ryan Reynolds. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, um, cool. Yeah, he's finally going to be in an MCU movie. Isn't it just Deadpool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Deadpool hasn't been in the MCU. He has yet. not. It's true. But Disney's like, hey, we have money now. Also, before we get into Chris Evans, hey, on Fantastic Four. Someone made a point on Twitter, and I have to agree with them. The, the trailer where someone says something and Deadpool's like, oh, I'm already ready for pegging, but Disney isn't. And people are like, that's hilarious. Someone said, if She-Hulk would have made the same exact joke, you all would have hated it. Despite yeah. the fact that she was making fourth wall jokes before Deadpool was invented. And I'm like, yep, that's absolutely true. It, yeah, go on, Chris Evans. He was Johnny no. Storm. Uh, well, I, it just—I was thinking of it because we were talking about like weird directorial choices, and like that movie might have been a lot. Those movies might have not been as bad if they had been directed better. Because apparently, like I was reading through the trivia on them, and like Jessica Alba was like repeatedly told to like look prettier when she cried. Like, don't worry, we, like we can CGI in the pretty, like the the tears later. Like, uh. And also just the, there's also just a lot of, I think, gall and maybe hubris at, uh, like, overestimating the level of uh, CGI that we were capable of in 2005 uh, as regards 
things like Reed Richards and um and whatnot, Johnny Storm. Uh and you know, we can also pivot there to Pedro Pascal being the new Reed Richards in the MCU. Oh that okay, that's who that was. I saw that he was someone made a Infinity Stones joke about Pedro Pascal being everywhere and I'm like, I don't know what he's doing in the MCU, but Reed Richards, okay. Yeah, he's gonna be Reed Richards and that that there that's why Victoria Alonso deserves a casting Oscar. <laughs> Because she keeps doing these things that keep bringing people back to the MCU. That's fair. That's fair. You know, we they they shouldn't have fucked around and waited so long to make the Fantastic Four, because Mister Fantastic, you know, some some would say the center of the Fantastic Four in a lot of ways, has stretchy arm powers. We just saw a guy have stretchy arm powers on netflix and it was his skin it wasn't a suit with luffy yeah so if it looks bad it's gonna look real bad like if the mcu like yeah, if, if the they MCU don't pay their animators can't... to be able to do better than netflix's fucking in-house style yeah netflix is like uh how much can we cut and still have this actually make the like like be able to be viewable yeah and i would argue luffy's Right? Because I'd say Luffy's stretchy powers looked pretty okay for yeah. like, what they were going for. I, be- I believed what they were doing, be- maybe because we don't have a real-life reference for what a stretchy arm would look like, but I believed it. Yeah. So, and I think fire, we've... I think we've gotten much that, better at fire. Looked... Like, uh, I don't know, very basic, like, drag-and-drop effects kind of vibe. Like, I could probably make a better-looking Johnny Storm in Canva today than... Than they were, than computers yeah. were even capable of in two thousand and five. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't even look terrible from these screenshots. Mm-hmm. Like, not good, but it looks like it could have looked worse. Oh <laughs> so yeah, it could have been. I'll worse. give them that. Certainly could have um, been worse. And, the th- and they did a lot of practical effects with the thing. I think, right? Yeah, they had they uh, they had the prosthetics one. and stuff. Okay, that was the right move. Yeah, that was definitely the right move. Did you know that Carrie Washington is in those movies? She plays Ben's blind girlfriend. Ben Grimm's wife? Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't think of it, but when you said that, it just immediately was like, oh yeah, yeah, Ben Grimm did have a black girlfriend for some reason. (laughs) Which, hey, that's cool, I guess. Uh, You know the thing, he's an ally. Um, Well, how were those movies in general? Like They were a little cheesy and fun, right? Yeah, they were cheesy and fun. I think that, like, the I, I brought up a question in the group chat about whether or not Chris Evans being cast as Captain America w- and it was playing against type because I forgot how genuinely mean Johnny Storm is to, uh, to Ben all the time. Like, really mean, not, like, nice pranks or, like, fun fe- friend pranks, like, being just, like, very kind of cruel to him at all times. As he's going through trauma. Hmm. I was like, shit, alright, calm down, man. Yeah, I gotta wonder, was it... And and my thought was, was Chris Evans typecast as a douchey character? Or was that just the vibe of the era? And it's possible that that was just the vibe of the era. Because that was, like, also the era when, like, you would call everything gay if it was bad. And you would call your friend the R-word if you, like, thought they were being, like, silly. Like, so maybe it was just, like, that's how people talk to each other at the time? Yeah, because... Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) Because I think even of Scott Pilgrim, like, that was an elevated jackassery. Yeah. Even that was, like, 
a put on for him. Like, I'm so cool. I'm Lucas Lee. Like, yeah, dude, you're not even a, you're not a real person right now. <laughs> like, so I, I don't know, potentially. And what an amazing playing against type it would be. Because then it felt like Ransom and Knives Out was playing against type for Chris Evans. Like, no, this is a return to the old days. <laughs> yeah, right? This is a return to, a return to form for, for Christopher here. He's, he's back in his old uh, back in his old shoes, his old stomping grounds. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting that's... to think about. Well, yeah, uh, it, it's good old Chris. Just, just playing you know, what, both sides. Do we have any other Chris-related uh, Chris news to, to cycle through before we can move on? Um, I, You know, I want there to be, but alas, I, I, I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything that's... They would not be extremely labored. So, any food crimes on your end? Any any food stories besides the thirty pizzas you ate today? Um, no, Papa not John. really. Just the uh, thirty pizzas, pizza a day for a month, uh, for science. Um, no, just uh, oh well, I guess mostly it's just been girl dinner week. I've been really okay. just kind of like picking and like last night I had the last spoonful of hummus tooth. Three spoonfuls of, uh, like, egg salad, some flatbread, a handful of peanuts, like, just working through all the perishables that are, like, right now all of my perishables are weirdly small quantities of okay. bizarre spreads, so, you know, I'm just working through, working through it. We'll keep it going. How uh, about you? I Any food crimes have... of note? Uh, just Southern Tier released another, uh, like, uh, cream liqueur whiskey. Mm. This one's the mocha one, so it's vaguely chocolate flavored. Oh, yeah, um, I want to try I that. I say that because they go for a lighter flavor. Uh-huh. It's pretty good. It's it's not as chocolatey as their beer is, but I think it's definitely going for something more understated. So. Nice. It's nice. It's tasty. Nice. It's good on ice. Cool. So let's talk about... you. S- you said you had a good week. You saw some stuff. What'd you see? What'd you, what'd you look at? Yeah, so uh, I... Well, I... Saw Sweeney Todd twice this week on Broadway uh, because of shenanigans and also scheduling uh, silliness. But uh, it has, since the last time I saw it and spoke about it here, the cast has turned over um, with now Aaron Tveit and Sutton Foster replacing uh, Josh Groban and Annalee Ashford as the main characters and also Joe Locke from... Heartstopper stepping in for his Broadway debut uh, in the role that Gatton Matarazzo was playing previously. Um, so you know, just the uh, the Netflix the Netflix boys getting their uh, getting their Broadway moments in. Uh, but it was really interesting to me because I was really going into it. So to give you some context for all of these names, Dom, <laughs> um, Aaron Tveit was. Uh, he was the sad blonde gay boy in the Les Mis movie, uh, okay. in the red coat. Uh, he has played, he was, uh, Danny Zuko in the TV, uh, Grease. Like, okay. um, he was also the, the male lead in the Moulin Rouge musical. Like he's like okay. very like stereotypical, like Broadway rock tenor kind of guy. Like, has, like, floppy blonde hair, very attractive, like, very, like, sad boy, like, kind of energy. And he took over from Josh Groban first to play Sweeney Todd. 
And, but like, he's like the kind of, he's, you know, he's like Broadway rock star kind of thing, you know, like swoony, like, um, so everyone was very excited for him to play the role, except that it is not the right, uh, for his vote, like for where his range is. Like okay, it's a that little seems problematic. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a deeper role, or like like a like in terms of vocal range, and then sure. and everyone was also worried about Sutton Foster coming on, uh, because she had most recently been in Music Man with Hugh Jackman, and it was like panned. It was like extremely embarrassingly bad, uh, and like they made a lot of like allowances for both of them in terms of like orchestration and stuff that like made the musical worse. And like music man is one of those like old timey. I don't, I don't know if it's Roger and Hammerstein or not. I'm not going to get uh, into that on the internet, but uh, <laughs> the, uh, but of that kind of like, you know, um, Oklahoma carousel, like, old classic golden age musicals and like you can't just you can't just like revive that kind of musical without doing something exciting and different with it and they cast two white people who are like they stunt cast two white people and then like didn't even give them the chance to or like like basically like the lead the female lead in music man is uh like very high soprano and like that's part of like the beauty of the like the music in the music man is this like very like lilting high music and they sutton foster is an alto and so they like scaled it down they like uh changed the the key a little bit for her and it's just like and the same thing with hugh jackman it's like Like... so what are we doing here and it kicked beetlejuice out of the theater it was in to open uh, and they couldn't fill it because that because no one wanted to come see it. So anyway, I had a very bad taste in my mouth going into this show about Sutton Foster and expected much better. I was like, I I don't know what to to expect out of Joe Locke. Like I like it seems like all the reviews about him coming in are like good slash great. He did great. Um, good. So and, and like he. He's a very interesting story. I'm going, this is just, we have nothing else to talk about, so I'm just going to, like, <laughs> give you a, go, a bunch of little off. little diversions here. But, uh, so he was, like... Yeah, go off, homie. <laughs> he was discovered for Heartstopper. Like, he was, like, one of, like, like 10,000 people who went to an open call kind of thing. So this is his... Which one we'll see again? He's the, the, the little, uh, dark-haired twink. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um... And he, so, like, this is his, that was his acting debut. This is his Broadway debut. Uh, so, like, it's very, I don't know, just, like, kind of cool and, like, richest, like, rags to riches story kind of thing for him. But, um. And he was, he was Sweeney Todd? He was the, he was the Gatton Matarazzo character. He was Toby. Like, the, the little boy. Okay. Um. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Aaron Tveit, the rock star boy, was Sweeney Todd. Uh, the problem, and like the, again, the problem was that they had to like, like rekey some of the songs because he's not a baritone. Like he couldn't. There were some notes that I like literally was like, oh, like he's scraping to hit that one. Um, and like he just didn't do a great job acting the role either. I was really surprised. Like I was like. 
we came home and we were like watching videos of him doing other things and like is there just not enough like slightly fruity sexiness to Sweeney Todd that like you just can't tap into it because like I never thought that Josh Groban would be a better Sweeney Todd than a like seasoned Broadway actor who's been in stuff since he was a kid but yeah. uh and then Sutton Foster was great like I she actually was like out acted him in like every scene so uh very just an interesting experience to be uh just kind of surprised by what I what I witnessed in the theater this week well, it's good to still get surprises. Um, but it's um, a it's a it's a really good, uh, per, like production. Like if it tours, like if it comes to Pittsburgh, you should you you should definitely go see it. Like it's just a really cool way. The way they've staged everything is really cool. Um, and like I think I think Sweeney Todd is like a just like a perfect musical in a lot of ways. Like I enjoy all of the music. Uh, they set up a bunch of th- like the the pacing is great. They set up everything really tightly in the first act, and then there are like seven songs in the second act, and they just like boom, 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 boom. Uh, huh. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the movie, and I like the movie. Also, funny that Borat's in that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was laughing. I, name. <laughs> I was right. I was laughing on Wednesday because the guy playing Pirelli uh, was a swing, and uh, and he happened to be Asian American, and I was like, "Ah, oh, diversity win!" The Irishman pretending to be an Italian to scam you out of your money is Asian. What a world! Uh, we 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 did it. Representation matters. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, uh, I was gonna, going to say, you know, what else was a good movie? Uh. If you want, if you want oh, so me you to keep mean, talking, Nimona? <laughs> I mean, Nimona. Okay, yeah. What, what's uh, what news could there be about a movie that's already come out? Um. Well, I mean, you, we can't really use that as a as a barrier to entry because we did just talk about a movie that came out a year and a half ago. Uh, but no, it's not a barrier. It's just <laughs> as, the, the news is just that you can watch it on YouTube. The news now. is just that you can watch it on YouTube. Um, but it, I mean, it, it, it's nominated for uh, best animated feature, and oh, yeah. uh, that's probably related to that uh, in okay. terms of like makes sense. making it accessible to people. And also, it's nice. Like there, I know there are a lot of like not that Netflix is a benevolent company in any way, but like I know that slightly. There has been an effort in recent months and years for uh, things that, you know, like the like the library, Brooklyn Library will issue a library card to a teenager anywhere in the country, like so yeah. that it has that, so that that kid can have free access to the books in the Brooklyn Library, uh, regardless of what is banned or not banned in their home library. And I feel like that this kind of coincides with that kind of effort, which is nice to have. Yeah, I, Netflix, I think the reason it bothers people so much, besides just, you know, capitalism as a general issue, is that so many companies will do small things here and there that are so good and beneficial to the art form, but then do all the other things. Like, they pretty much saved Nimona from not being made, right? Because yeah. Disney was fucking around? Yeah. Yeah, so, hey, you did a good thing, and there's some calculus. They made some money from it. 
But as far as I'm concerned, they didn't make any more money off of me by adding Nimona. And I, they didn't make any more money off you, You, but you would happily watch it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, you did something that was ultimately good. You got a queer story put on the screen. And then you put it on YouTube for free. That's great. Like, wow, what a cool thing for a company to do. Hey, what about this other show? Oh, yeah, we, we stopped it after two seasons, despite the fact that the story wasn't done. Like, so do you care about art or not? Like... You're clearly calculating this. This is some benefit for you. But why can't you do more things that benefit you that also are cool for us? <laughs> I'm saying, well, they care about art when it gets them nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. So, like, keep making good, good fun art, art so, and you'll yeah. probably get m- more Oscars. Right. Like, and probably some Emmys, too, if you stop cutting shows down, you know, like. <sighs> you've, you've been watching anything Sorry, else, salty. I guess? So I'm gonna... Um... Yeah, I've been watching... Uh, yeah, we could stay on Netflix for a little bit. I'm um, still watching Delicious in Dungeon. Still very much enjoying it. Um, I guess it's Dungeon Meshi, if you want to use the Japanese title. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I tend to speak English. You um, tend to. W- weird cultural thing um, to use... To I don't know if that's the right thing or the wrong thing, but uh, it's always funny to see dun- to see Demon Slayer. Because everywhere that it's written is, it's always called Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba, but doesn't that just mean Demon Slayer? Yeah. So like, yeah, the show is officially called, and always like Adult Swim calls it this. It's called this on I Netflix. Think so. It's just Demon Slayer, Demon Slayer. Like, <laughs> um, and I don't know why they would do that other than it just being kind of interesting. I don't know. Demon Killing Blade. Okay. So, that's just what the quick Google search says. So, yeah. I mean, Demon Slayer with a demon killing blade is like, well, that's... Yeah. I that's... guess demon killing blade doesn't <laughs> roll off the tongue quite as well as demon slayer to me. Mm-hmm. But, uh... At any rate, yeah, I'm just going to call it demon slayer. Uh, <laughs> they gave me permission. That's it. Yeah, Delicious in Dungeon. It's very good. I'm, I'm surprised they're able to get as much mileage as they are out, out of, of a simple premise. Yeah, because it's really... Well, we're going to figure out... They're going to do, you know, dungeon crawling stuff. And then we're going to have a segment of figuring out how we can eat this or, like, what the eating and preparation would be like, you know? Mm -hmm. And then some time of them enjoying the food and talking to each other. Slice of life, in a way. And it's just a very fun show with, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of different things. They're they're finding ways to send the characters out on their own without really splitting up the party in a way that matters. Uh, They all have their role and... They all have their little insecurities and stuff like that. But it also feels like a 90s anime with a lot of the jokes they make and visual jokes they make. Mm-hmm. Like um, in a good way or a bad way or a neutral way? A, purely a good like. I guess it's a neutral way. To me, I like it, though. Like, okay. They, the way that they'll cut away or do some of the transitions, like... It, I, it's I like, it's, are people doing, like, an anime fall or having, like, a sweat drop kind of thing versus, like, someone tripping and falling into a pair of boobs kind of thing? More the first thing, but not not those gags, but more the first way. Like, if you watch the OP, you'll be like, oh, when when, when was this made? It's, like, this year. Okay. <laughs> um, And they, they did have the mage character. She got, like, picked up by something with tentacles. But they didn't go creepy with it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, is this where we're going to get the panty shot or, like, the weird gropey thing? And no, it's just, like, a tentacle monster or something with tentacles was attacking. And the only stakes is if it grabs the squishy character. And then the other characters are like, but we defeated it. 
And she's like, cool, thanks. Let's make takoyaki like, with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the plot. That's the that's the show. And she's like, you guys make me feel useless. And he's like, I don't want you using your spell slots on the first floor of this dungeon that we know we can get to the <laughs> bottom to. Just like, relax, dog. We don't think you're useless. Um, and that's kind of a funny thing to think about is that a high level mage is kind of useless on low level dungeons. Uh huh. Because it's like. Oh, I'm gonna use my fireball spell like at the beginning of a dungeon. Like, no, you better not. Like, yeah, you better not. It's not gonna be a long rest between now and the boss. We're not taking a nap it's, it's... before we get to the bottom of this dungeon. Like, uh, but yeah. So you know, it's it, it's good. It's fun. Uh, I recommend people give it a check if they can. It's still ongoing too, so it's nice. Nice. And we are also watching the Australian version of Taskmaster. And it has a much different vibe than the other two. Interesting. And I don't say that in a good or bad way. It's just, luckily it works. Uh But you know how, have you seen anything from the New Zealand Taskmaster? I haven't, but we're running out of UK seasons pretty fast, so. Yeah, so the Australian one, or sorry, the New Zealand one, the the Greg and Alex roles are very similar to what they are. Yeah. In tone, but not, like, in gags or actions. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, it still is different. Uh, but by the time you get to the Australian one, it's like, this is... The show is... Fine. It's it's good. It's good. But the vibe between the Taskmaster and Assistant is unrecognizable, because this Taskmaster <laughs> seems, like, happy to be there. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's, he still will be mean, but it's more of like a, oh, you just said that to be mean as your role. Like, it... It feels a little less natural, but that makes it funnier. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, this season has already started out just already a delight. Um, so I don't know if they had production issues in the first season of New Zealand. But, mm-hmm. like, the crowd wasn't laughing. I don't know if it was a COVID season or if they weren't mic'd right. But it was like, man, it doesn't sound like the crowd's having fun and that makes it harder to have fun. Uh-huh. Like, imagine listening to a comedian and you don't hear laughter. That would be really weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that's what a podcast is, though. Yeah, but those are people talking to each other. That's, That's not true. like someone just doing stand, doing stand up, up into like, the air. <laughs> like, which could still work, but it'd be harder. Uh, but no, this season's good. We watched a couple of episodes. It's it's fun. I think you'll enjoy it when you get there. Yeah, I'm excited. And that's, I mean, that's everything that I've watched. We can kind of look to the future a little bit. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's do that. This This week, depending on when this goes up has a lot of stuff for the future. So this Wednesday, I believe it's Wednesday, there will be a Nintendo Direct, 25 minutes talking about all the stuff coming to Switch. And apparently the Switch 2, which has been rumored for this year, got pushed back to 2025. Fine with all me. All rumors, but they'll, yeah, they'll probably announce it. No one wants to buy a new console because a more powerful Switch is still not going to be as powerful as its competitors. But they're playing different games, so it's not a competition. I just want to know what games they have coming out. Uh, It's always fun to... I don't mind watching a commercial when they're like, hey, we're going to do a commercial. You can watch (laughs) it if you want to. I'm like, I would like to. I would like to get excited. I'd like to opt into the commercial Uh, rather than be forced to watch it and then have to turn down the volume too because it's ten times louder than everything else. Yeah. And also, you know, sometimes you get little glimpses of fun of like a dev who's like, hey, we get to make something. It's really cool that we're on this big corporate stage. Like, yay, we're happy. And you're like, oh. And then the suits come out. You're like, well... This is how this goes. You're like, well, at least uh, Nintendo tends to take pay cuts rather than firing people when they can't. Like, it's like at least of all yeah, the companies do. here, the, the 
least unethical. I I guess so. Like they do so much bad shit, but I can at least say some good things they've done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. It's they weren't for consumer, like, <laughs> but <laughs> hard to reach for any kind of like real big compliments when it comes to game de- like game developers and publishers. <laughs> yeah, you know Nintendo as all companies, is an evil company, but at least sometimes you get the idea that there's good people working there, mm-hmm. even if they don't have control over stuff. Versus, like, when Bobby Connick's the CEO, you're like, I know companies are just going to lean towards evil, but it seems like you're pushing them in that direction, too. <laughs> <laughs> like, it seems like you're taking extra steps here. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, all companies want to extract our money and rip us off, but not all companies have work, like, let workers steal breast milk, so I mean, like... You know, we could always be worse. Um, staying on the Nintendo train, uh, yeah. Splatoon 3 gets updated this weekend. Friday, the, uh, the side order content that yeah, we could have purchased of... already. I didn't, but... <laughs> what's the, uh, it actually what's comes the drop? Out. Yeah, it's DLC. It's actually more co- single-player content. Oh, um, cool. So Splatoon 2 did this as well. Like, every Splatoon game has a campaign, like uh-huh. a single-player and it's never the draw, which is too bad because they're normally really good. Well, Splatoon 1's was really good. <laughs> Splatoon 2's was fine. It was just a disappointment after Splatoon 1. You're like, you didn't really iterate on the formula and the boss fight mm-hmm. isn't as good. Um, but then they dropped the DLC for that. I forget it was. I forget what it was called. But it's where you're able to get the Octolings and Pearl and Marina, like where the characters... Um, and that had a fun final boss, you know, using the mechanics. And then Splatoon 3's campaign was good as well. Uh, so their DLC is going to be sort of a roguelite, because okay. Nintendo's always like, we're going to follow the trends, but like way after. <laughs> <laughs> Four years later. Like, like Breath of the Wild came out so late after this genre of game that it is, and yet it still changed it up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's going to be a roguelite mode where you're climbing up a tower for some reason. This is about, uh, since Order was in this Splatfest at the end of Splatoon 2, uh, there was sort of a, a bounce between Chaos and Order. So this has to do with that, is the, for the theming. Cool. Um, but you'll climb floors, you'll get upgrades to your gun and all that inking stuff. And we'll see what that does. But that sounds right up my alley. I love Splatoon. I like the way that it aims. Switch is cool. And I love roguelite. So. I'm going to say, this is a... This is literally a devised, devised with you in mind. <laughs> yeah. And we've seen a Pearl robot, but no sign of Marina that I could tell. So we know she, we, we know Pearl has to get her GF back. So it's true. Looking forward to that on Friday. That'll be, that'll slow me down from all the a bazillion things happening. Because in addition to that, the third set of Lurkana cards comes out. Hell yeah. Yay. Um, and I'm excited to try to find a card with Lena on it because she's one of my favorite DuckTales characters and this set has lots of DuckTales stuff in it. Uh, That's exciting. Well, it's nice I to see lots. them be like, well, I mean, even anything is something. Well, someone did a breakdown of all the franchises represented uh, in it and Mickey and Friends are tied with, like, I want to say Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. Um, but whoever made the Lorcana game really likes some characters. Like, they appreciate Gaston, but they like Beast. They love Dr. Facilier. This man has, like, four unique cards. Damn. This, like, not, I'm not I mean, even talking about friends on the other side. And, <laughs> I guess, like, a magic user and a villain. And has got a cool aesthetic. And is one of the few black guys. 
Yeah, but I mean, Tiana has two cards. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, the prince from that, I think, has one, maybe two. But he has four separate cards, I think, at least. And they're all pretty good. Um, yeah, I think it's because he's a magic user who's a bad guy, but who has, like... You probably, like, pair him with, with his... like, other cards because he's, like, a summoner, kind of, I guess. Yeah, he does a lot of stuff like that. And I think since he does magic, but he's not, like the quote-unquote elegant stereotype. Like, Maleficent has to do a lot of, like, yeah, oh, like I'm always going to be wearing, like, a pretty dress. And... Or I'm a dragon. Same with Ursula. Like, there's some creative cards with Ursula, but there's really so much you could do with, like, well, she is, like, an octopus, so you have to have that. Yeah. Whereas Dr. Facility is like, <laughs> I'm just going to make a different pose, and it's a new card. <laughs> uh, but the funny thing to me, there's one Wreck-It Ralph card, and it's uh-huh. just an action, it's, it's just Ralph just saying, I'm going to smash it, and it just does damage to a character or something. Do you it's mean, just funny do you mean to I'm going to wreck it? I th- it might just be called Smash, like, because he smashes uh-huh. the wall, but it's probably I'm going to wreck it. I You're would be, right. I would be, that, th- like, we've got Wreck-It Ralph at home, I'm going to smash it. <laughs> the, yeah. So the card's just called Pick a Fight, and then okay. the, the flavor text says, I'm gonna wreck it. But it's odd. There's no other Wreck-It Ralph characters in the entire no Vanellope, three sets of no. this. No, there's not even a Ralph card. It's just an action. Like, you can't play Ralph. Uh-huh. He's not in the game. <laughs> it's just like, he has... he Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll say, he has less representation in this game than Scrooge's Lucky Dime does. Because oh that's God. referenced on one card, and you can get it as a card. So, you know, uh, fu- fun to say. Moana has a good bit. So there's like a nice peppering of like classic stuff, like with Cinderella, Snow White, Wreck-It Ralph, Princess and the Frog. So it's pretty fun. Telspin has a few. So I am jazzed to try to get some of the cards from this new set. Uh, yes. Yeah. Nice. I posted in one of the group chats. Uh, I was like, man, here's the two cards I'm looking for. It's like, a really good Magicka Dispel card, and the Lena card. And someone's like, this younger guy was like, why do you want this Lena card? It looks pretty bad. I'm like, oh, it looks awful. I don't I don't want it to play it. I want it to have it. Like, I just want to be like, ooh, look, it's my it's, it's my daughter. She's there. She's happy. Her and her two girlfriends. Uh, uh, yeah, the card is not to increase my skill level. As it uh-huh. It's just to have, have your Blorbo. Yeah, you know, that's that's what it's about, you know. I want to get all the DuckTales cards for that reason. Yeah. Soon Lin-Manuel Miranda will be canon <laughs> You can get the Gizmo Duck suit, but not Gizmo Duck himself. So it's, they're like, we can't give you everything all at once. That's That would be too much. Other than that, I've been playing O-dubs. Yeah. Because I hate well, myself. I was going to say, you, you, uh, you mentioned earlier that that there were some changes that you were getting used to? Was that... Yeah, so... Um, talking about video game balance n- needs you to be pedantic, but mm-hmm. because it matters. People are like, man, the hitboxes in Overwatch are, are awful. I can't believe they changed it. It's like, no, the hitboxes have always been bad. That's on purpose. They changed the hitbox of the bullets and the projectiles. Oh. Um, people are like, how's that different? I'm like... Well, it matters because there is squash and stretch in the way the characters move. But mm-hmm. I've I've maintained that it's like Overwatch the characters is are the same of... size. The things trying to hit them are smaller. Yeah, they're bigger now. Actually, oh, they're bigger. Um, okay. They made a, they, yeah, they made a, so the character models their hitbox extends beyond their like they're not very accurate, and that's on purpose because mm-hmm. 
that's clearly not a mistake because you could have made the hitboxes any shape. They clearly did that on purpose. Um, but in a lot of shooting games, um, depending on how tactical they are, the characters move more realistically. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you start to run, you have a ramp up to your full speed. It's not very long, but it's noticeable. Kind of like a person, you can't go from zero to top speed mm-hmm. on one step. Overwatch, you can do that. So as soon as you press a direction. Your uh-huh. character's going in that direction as fast as they can. Um, and a lot of games, you try to reverse direction, you have to, like, come to a stop and go back, you know, the uh-huh. way you would as a person. Yeah. Overwatch, it's, like, very short. Like, you can uh-huh. turn on a dime. Um, and different than a lot of other games, there's vertical mobility. You can jump without any, like, you don't have landing lag the way you would, I think, in Call of Duty or Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. So, pretty much, in Overwatch, you move very erratically. If, you, if someone wants to dodge your bullets this is the game they're going to have the best chance to do it in. Uh-huh. And that's before you start thinking of all the crazy shit that people can do, like move you out of position, put shields up. Uh-huh. Genji can double jump over you and then slash three. <laughs> so he can be in front of you, then directly above you, then behind you, and then back in front of you. So you're like, how do I track that? Uh-huh. You can get very good, but that's assuming you know where he's going, which why would he go predictably? Um, so they said, you know what? We want people... To be able to do more damage, but we want people to, like, get less healing. So said, we'll give everybody more health, but also make the shots easier to hit. Uh-huh. Um, so that just changes the way you play. Because you're like, I'm getting hit by shit that I thought I should have dodged, but I'm uh-huh. landing more shots. Um, and some characters are more powerful, and they did some other changes. Like, if damage dealers hit you, you get less healing. Uh-huh. Which is really weird to implement also at the same time as that. Uh, so there's just a lot of things to get used to, and they also, also said this is the season we're going to do the rank reset. Oh, yeah, so, so you're still also playing with... I have like, no clue. With like, question I mark, could be playing with mark. people. Yeah, and then you get your rank, but it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand that it says we're all gold one or plat five, but how many of us deserve to be here? I don't know if I should be here. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, my uh, my main role with support is higher, but mm-hmm. I'm not as good at this role. But am I worse than this? That last game, I know a mistake I made, but is it my fault we lost? Maybe. I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot going on. And then, you know, just with any competitive game, different days have different hot spots, you know. Uh-huh. Playing on Sunday, you're going to get a different crowd than if I were like, you know what? I'm going to play video games on my lunch break. That's this gonna is be a why different group I'm of so intimidated by live, like live play games or like co- any kind of cooperative or team gaming online. Like it's so so intimidating to me. <laughs> Let's, well, you know, I, and and I get that it's it would be intimidating to me if I didn't play this game with other people when I started. I played with my brother. Uh huh. Um, I think that the thing that makes Overwatch so weird, and I, I saw someone say this, it is the hardest game to aim in out of any game on the market. But it's also the game where aiming matters the least. Because you have characters like Winston and Mercy and Moira who, like, if you are bad at aiming or if this is your first game and you can kind of vaguely look in the right direction, you'll get your value. Like, it's not mechanically demanding. I think that's a good thing. Uh Uh-huh. But there's also characters like Widowmaker who are snipers and then just everything in between that. Yeah. So it's like, what do I do to be good? It's like, well, you can learn the game by playing a character like Mercy. 
but then if you never try to branch out, you're locked in a skill set that doesn't transfer. Yeah, I, I'm already uh, really uh, struggling with being locked in a skill set that doesn't transfer in real life, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then there's other games like Pokemon Unite where, like, hey, uh, there is mechanical stuff, but for the most part, it's about the decisions you make. Yeah, like, that uh, That was much less, cool. like, intimidating to me. Like, I feel like there was less... I feel like the stakes are higher on me in an Overwatch game for some reason than they are in a Pokemon Unite game. Maybe it's just the the quantity of players per team, or... Oddly, well, it's the same amount of players. I think the thing about it is, is the pace. Um, just, like, the outright pace, because uh-huh. I would argue, and this is getting real ticky-tacky, we can finish up here soon, the stakes in Pokemon Unite are actually way higher than in any game of Overwatch, I would say. And the reason is because there's that level scaling mechanic. Uh-huh. So if you die early in Pokemon Unite, the guy who killed you is going to get more experience from that and also has all the time that you... Because your respawns are, what, like, 30 seconds or something? Mm-hmm. They're pretty long. So while you're not doing that, they're gaining experience, maybe scoring points. Um, so just by dying, you have put yourself at such an advantage that you're going to have to, like, pull some crazy stuff out um, in Overwatch... When you die, yeah, your char- the other guy gets ultimate charge from that, and mm-hmm. they're getting their progress while you're dead. But their character's not really any better than when you died. Uh-huh. Like they don't get any new abilities. Their ultimate is on a like if they use it, that's it, it's gone until they get it again. Uh-huh. Versus in Pokemon Unite, someone kills you, they get a whole ass new move, and you right. didn't get your new move. So they're just so if you go to fight them again, you're at a crazy disadvantage, and also that their stats true. went up too. Uh, soldier, his his bullets aren't getting any tougher the longer the fight goes on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it feels way scarier in Overwatch because there's shit flying all over the place. Yeah. Uh which I I think that's interesting from a game design perspective. Um, and ultimately, like a game, you play Magic mm-hmm. virtually. I, I would argue that probably has high stakes too. Like a bad play can really doom you. Just based yeah, on the way or just a bad goes. draw. Like, yeah, bad draw could really wreck your shit. Uh, Overwatch, you get a bad draw, you can switch characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we came out of spawn, and we're on defense, we picked bad people. Well, hope, well, maybe we'll lose this fight, but maybe we'll win the next one. Uh, yeah, I think video game psychology is a field that could be studied a lot. Because, yeah, if I were to say, it feels, I get way more drained playing a game of Overwatch versus a game of, like, Pokemon Unite. Mm-hmm. Even though... Unite has less less room for error. Uh-huh. Uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then Splatoon's the same way, but fuck it. Like, that's this little baby game, <laughs> but it's not really a baby game. It's a very difficult game. Very I think difficult people need to stop shitting game on it. for shooter. Like, shooter, first-person shooter game, isn't it? It's just paint instead of bullets, like... Yeah, that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's third-person, like, Fortnite and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movement in that's way more... Uh, intricate than a lot of other games because you can do vertical stuff as well there's the hiding mechanic and there's the your ammo is also your main movement mechanic so uh-huh. do you want to give yourself options or do you want to do damage or do you want to like help procure the objective like there's lots of moving parts uh-huh. and honestly the only thing holding splatoon back is being on switch and not a system with power uh-huh. um because there's times when you shoot or get shot and you're like i don't know if i should have died there uh-huh. From a lag perspective, not saying I was going to win the fight, but I don't think that's the shot that should have killed me. Like, I don't think that hit me. Uh-huh. Um, 
It should have been the next one he shot. Because <laughs> I was running away. Look, I was, look, I was, I was gonna die, but it should have been yeah. via that method. Yeah, there will be times where I die in Splatoon where I'm like, I was running away trying to stall. I'm surrounded by their colors. They're taking shots at me. But the way that the timing of when I die, I'm like, that's not correct. Like, this is the system's fault. Uh, uh-huh. I, sw- I just want to super make it clear that I'm not saying it's the game's fault I died. It's the game's <laughs> fault I died in on the... a certain XY coordinate. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I assume oh. when you're at high level, stuff like that starts to be, oh, you died because the game is laggy. I die because I'm bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it does a lot of things that I think if other shooters did them, they would be better games. And people don't want to believe that because it is a little... It's it's a kiddie type game. It's for Switch. Mm-hmm. You play it with gyro controls. But people complain about battle passes. The battle pass in Splatoon might be grindy, but you don't put money towards it. It's just like, hey, here's the catalog for this season. If you earn levels, you'll get this stuff. It's like, well, how much money do I have to give you? Like, none. It's just part of the game. It's just no, here. No, it's just... Uh, you just have to be here and do it. Yeah, which can... Grinding can be sucky, but you could also have to grind for something that you paid for and miss out on it. Versus, well, I didn't pay for it, so I don't care. Uh, Yeah. That's just some game design talk to go with our Broadway talk. Hell yeah. Uh, And then the last piece from you, you have something else that you have consumed. Yeah, I have some more books. Um, You know, I've been been reading up a storm as usual. I've read a couple more One Pieces. Uh, We are... Out of Alabasta and into the Sky Islands. Uh, I think we talked about Kamianero last week. Uh, and, you know, um, also been reading the latest Donme that came uh, to me was uh, called Case File Compendium, which is a very neutral uh, title for the book that it was, which was a wild ride. Uh, and, like, so the author of this one, uh, who, the username she uses is Meat Bun Doesn't Eat Meat, um, but it's ever, everyone just calls her Meat Bun, uh, but, so she has also written another series that is, like, famously heavily trigger warnings, uh, but having read now the first one of this, which is set in, like, contemporary, uh, with just a little bit of fantasy or like very little fantasy at all versus the original, the other series, the Husky and his white cat season, uh, which is like, like, uh, more of the like kind of genre fantasy setting than, uh, whatchamacall, than a, uh, I'm losing all my words at this point. It's not, it's only nine o'clock, man. This is rough. Uh, uh. We're getting old. Um, yeah. But the so I think people are scared of the Husky and his White Cat season because it has a lot of very uh, dark themes in it. But having read all of that and just the first one of this contemporary series, this one is way darker. Because everything, at least like to my, like, just from a vibe point of view, because even in the the first volume when you don't really have any idea what's going on in the Husky and White Cat season, because it's about a guy who becomes extremely evil and then wakes up as a 16-year-old again and gets to relive his life and try to figure, and try not to become extremely evil this time. Uh, And so, like, he did a lot of things when he was extremely evil that were 
yikes. Uh, but as the story progresses, you find out all these different things that make that add nuance to eat to all of those things. That makes a, for a really interesting and complicated story. Whereas this one was like, ah, yes, this is the scary asylum where the murderers live. But also, this woman was being assaulted by the administrator of the asylum. And that's why she went crazy and did more murders. And it's like, oh boy. Like, jeez. Like, this is, and it's all just like, like, against a backdrop of, like, bitchy girl influencer, like, side characters and stuff that it's like, Oh boy, this is the real world. I can't do this. Um, <laughs> still, we'll re- probably read the next one. I know who I am as a person, but uh, but it was a it, an interesting diversion from like because I thought I thought I had a sense of how dark a meat bun story could get, I guess, and then I was incorrect about that. Uh, so I learned a thing. And that's uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's astonishingly all I've got. We have it's literally the least amount of news tonight. We just wanted to, you know, we uh, we try to keep the content coming. Yeah. Make sure that our uh, our loyal listeners got something to keep them busy all the time. Yeah, I will. Uh, I I can complain about the youth for a second. Oh yeah, go for um, it, and then we can. Uh, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah. So, uh, I don't understand Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that makes me feel refreshed. Like, cool, I'm getting older. But then sometimes it annoys me. Go on. And I've always been annoyed by the youth, even when I was one of the youth. Because Gifted Kid wants to seek the approval of adults. So I don't like kids. Um, oh, I know that one. That's I on know me. how that one goes. Uh, but sometimes, and, and I've seen this happen when I was a young person as a millennial sometimes the older people are correct and you're just being kind of kind of corny <laughs> and that, i always i always say this i say it to my partner a lot i say it to other people being cringe isn't a crime and it's okay to think younger people are being cringy as long as they're not harming anybody that that's my hot take mm-hmm. but i bring this all up because uh some people have decided to mod persona 3 reload because I guess there's a character that you have a social link with, and they talk in cringy internet lingo, and they edited that out because they, they thought it was too cringy. <laughs> and it's like, it's like no, you but, have to, you have to experience this. We lived this. That's, but that's 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 part of the character. Yeah. And someone says it's so it's such a boomer take to be mad at the youth for trying to make their own stories when you're trying to live in your outdated past. I'm like, normally that'd be an okay take, but you're literally talking about a game that's a remake. The existence of it is living in the past, and yeah, just this ha- game this having when this it, being here. Yeah, let me let me check when Persona Three originally came out because if I recall, this is a is a pretty old game. Yeah, it came out in 2006, and someone said it was set in the future. So someone using cringy 2009 dialogue in 2009. Is like maybe maybe it's dated because they sound like they're from two thousand six instead of two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this character would be cringy, just like in Persona Five. Futaba talks like a cringy redditor, and she's like, "Oh, like she's a hermit, like uh, Hikikomori." Uh huh. And she's like, "Oh, you know, I uh, 
I need to level up and learn to go outside. And you're like, wow, this is really cringe. But also you're a 14 year old who is <laughs> just sits inside all day and plays on Reddit and 4chan. So yeah, it's not surprising you talk like this. It's part of the experience. So like if 10 years go by, someone's like, we've edited Futaba to sound more normal. You're like, that's defeating the purpose of the game. That's not what Futaba's there for. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted somebody who talks like a more adjusted person, you could talk to On or Makoto. Yeah, that's like, like, like no, this is character. This is a character. That's part of her character. The character is like that. Yeah, so, you know, bad takes. Uh... It, it does suck that we have let cringe be considered a uh, like a critique. Yeah, like a, like a like, fireball no, offense. Like... <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this game is cringe, therefore it's bad. It's like, no, people are just being sincere. Like, yeah. One of the best moments I ever saw was when Nick Cannon did stand-up and said, you know what, I, yep, you're right, I am corny. I'm happy with who I am. It's like, hey, you have a lot of other problems. But it's fine to be a little bit corny. It's okay. Uh-huh. You don't hurt nobody. Yeah. You, you, you maybe wear protection, but like the corniness is not the problem. <laughs> like, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, we hit an hour so we can get out of here. Yeah, let's do it. Steph, would you like to hit the people with the social media biz, please? Yeah, if you want to find us on the internet, you can do that. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Character Rev, on Facebook and Instagram at Character Reveal. You can find us in your browser of choice, characterreveal.simplecast.com. Uh, you can find us in your podcatcher of choice at, by searching for Character Reveal. Um, you could leave us a rating or review. That would be choice. Uh, shout out and thank you to those who have already done that thing. Um, if you uh, want to find us individually, you can also do that. Uh, I am Kevin Steph on Twitter, the Snow Queer on Tumblr, and Hell is Steph on Instagram. Dom is Brother Dom anywhere he would like to be found on the internet. Um, Eric, who is uh, not here but always in our hearts, uh, is Tindy Losi wherever he wants to be found on the internet. Uh, and... You know, if you want to, if you like what we're what we're putting out there, as always, and you want to support us, uh, you can do that. You could do that by, uh, you know, becoming a Patreon patron. Uh, if you back us over there with a dollar or more per month, uh, you know, we uh, put that money towards things like hosting fees, that sort of stuff, keep us on the air. Um, and you know, if you you could also uh, still buy some coffee. Yeah, so if you want to support us, you can get some coffee from our lovely sponsor, Grinding Coffee Company. They're a black, LGBTQ, plus women-led online coffee shop. And they got lots of flavors. They got all the products you need, beans, grounds, K-cups, whatever you need. And, you know, get it while the getting's good. You know, it's good stuff. You probably want to jump in. Uh, Nothing wrong with uh, a nice cup of coffee to start the day. I don't love soda to start the day. I prefer coffee myself. So, <laughs> Big bold uh, like take said, from Dom. Yeah, beans, grounds, K-cups. You can get chocolate flavors. You can get the gay agenda. You can get all kinds of cool stuff. So go check them out. Uh, go to their website uh, or use the link in our description and offer code character reveal uh, for 10% off. So that's one word, character reveal, two R's in the middle. You'll see it. And yeah, you'll get 10% off. That's great because it helps you, it helps us, helps them. It's a triple win. Can't go wrong with that. Again, Grinding Coffee Company, offer code, code, character reveal. Check them out. But yeah, that's a whole episode, y'all. We done did it. We we did it. So uh, 
all the applause things for hanging out with us for another time and like i always say till next time see you later bye